Hey, y'all. Welcome to Water Break with the Water Boy. Yes, it's Thursday afternoon already. Already working our way towards Sunday. Can't wait to worship on Sunday. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure you guys share the show. I will be, of course, hanging out at YouTube. Uh, I know some people watch this on Facebook and other places, but I'll be on YouTube doing my best to pat my head and rub my belly and try to monitor your comments while uh, running the show here also. Um, uh, before we before we kind of get into things, of course, you guys can already see Pastor Tim in the background here. Um, glad to have him on. But make sure you guys want to uh, we get a lot of people that reach out, want to know how we can support you guys, what you're doing. The best way to do that is through joining our club, uh, through club membership. You go to fightlaughfeast.com for that. But you can also, if you if you have a uh, a company and want to become a corporate sponsor, please reach out to us at contact at fightlaughfeast.com. That's contact at fightlaughfeast.com. And uh, we got all sorts of creative ways uh, you guys can can work with us and, and sponsor what we're doing. Uh, and this also brings me to my our uh, conference. We have our conference in Nashville, Tennessee, coming up. Uh, it's actually Lebanon, Lebanon, Tennessee, on the politics of sex, uh, September 9th through the 11th. So uh, signups will be available starting in June. I know we're a little late on that process, but signups will be available in June. And of course, if your company wants to booth or vend. Or be a corporate sponsor at that conference. Uh, we'll, we're expecting, you know, a couple thousand people in Lebanon, uh, in September 9th to 11th. So it'd be a good opportunity not only to support what we're doing, but also to get your, your work and your company before a bunch of people, a bunch of fun, rowdy Christians in Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, lastly here, uh, our magazine subscription, uh, is, um, uh, our next magazine is coming out in June. So if you kind of want to get in before that issue, subscribe now. And you'll be able to get into our, our next magazine uh, that'll be shipping out in June, and that's of course on feasting. The title of that magazine's "In the Presence of Mine Enemies." Uh, we got Rosaria Butterfield, Rachel Jankovic, Pastor Wilson, Pastor Toby, me, and a bunch of others uh, writing in that magazine. So, it, it, like you said, you probably already know this, but it's a quarterly book-like experience. It's fantastic, and we want to make magazines great again. So, uh, make sure you go to fightlifefeast.com to to grab that magazine. Uh, without without further ado, um, I have uh, I've gotten uh, the pleasure to get to know Pastor Tim over. Man, this this kind of shutdown has brought a lot of uh, interesting people into my life over the last year, and one of them is Pastor Tim. Really got to uh, first. Uh, I had him. I, I think you did. You come on Water Break initially, or did you come on our Sunday show initially? What what show did you first come on? I think I first came on Water Break. Yeah, yeah, okay. If I remember correctly. Yeah, and, uh, and then uh, well, Pastor Tim, his uh, church, uh, pastors of church, Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, uh, Canada. And uh, how long have you pastored there at that church? Seven years now, or about seven and a half years okay. at this point. And and then you have uh, your your wife and I think it's eight kids. You just you just had another one in December. Yeah, I have eight, eight children. My oldest is 12, and my youngest is just a few months old, born in December, and four boys and four girls. And so the teams are even at this point. Yeah, yeah even even out. Uh, and then uh, where did you end up at seminary? Where did you end up going to Bible school or seminary? I went to seminary in Detroit, Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary. We lived in Windsor on the Canadian side and uh, yeah. commuted across the river each day to okay. go to school there. Yeah. Well, very good. What 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 made you? What how did you end up in a uh, in Detroit going to going to the college there or, or seminary? Well, I was I was saved I was saved later in life and I uh, already had a, had a career that I was retiring from and wanted to be a get into pastor get into ministry. So I didn't really know much and 
so pastors here in Alberta were, were giving different schools and, and almost all the schools, uh, recommended were American schools because there's not too many good theological schools here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so this was a school that I could go to and still live in Canada and, uh, still be able to work there and care for my family wow. and, uh, commute across every day. So it made sense. And then I, I learned a lot reading their journal before even like knowing about their school and, and profited from their journal. And so I, I thought this would be a good fit theologically. So how long ago were, did you become a Christian then? I became a Christian in 2008. Um, 2006, that's when uh, I actually had family send, send to me, me and my future wife, uh, Paul Washer's shocking youth message. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I ever heard the gospel really explained clearly. First time my wife ever even heard Christian preaching. Wow. And, uh, and that led to, you know, this, this us just grappling with these things and listening to more Paul Washer online, listening to John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. And so it was around the fall of 2008 that, that we both experienced, you know, conversion where we had a change of desire, change of heart attitude. We really understood the gospel, committed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, so 2010 is when I went to seminary from 2010 to 2013 and started pastoring in 2014. So, um, I've, I'm relatively new to this, but yet by God's grace, you know, there's so many good resources out there today that we can really profit from and dig into in order to be equipped to, to be a Christian and and then to lead a congregation. Yeah. Amen. What, uh, did you not grow up in a Christian family? You know, what was your background? Because your brother's a Christian too. And he's a, he's an associate pastor. He is. So we, we grew up in a Christian home. Um, but yet much, much of, much of my, um, influences as a young person was just living for, for sports and for other, other things. And so I didn't really pay attention too much, uh, to what was being said on Sunday. My Bible mostly just stayed in the car on a Sunday so I could get points in Sunday school on, on Sunday morning. And, uh, so I didn't really have much of a, an understanding of really what it meant to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I was kind of assumed like you, you pray a prayer, you ask Jesus into your heart, you're a Christian, you're yeah. all good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't right. know what it meant to actually be a disciple, a follower mm-hmm. uh, until I was, you know, when I went, when I was old enough to kind of make my own decisions, I just, I just lived worldly. I, I wasn't involved in the church and, you know, went off to school and just wanted to make lots of money, was working as an engineer, uh, in the oil field up here. Right. And that was that was my goal. Just make as much money as possible so you can buy all your toys. Yep. Uh, before that that Paul Washer shocking youth message kind of hit us. Right. That's that's fantastic. And and so did your wife not grow up in a Christian family? What was her? No, background? she grew up in a in a Catholic household, but but very very nominally Catholic. Right. It's just it's just the routine. You don't actually you don't ask questions. You don't right. uh, understand your faith at all. And so that was that was her her background. Um, so both of us were just. Mm-hmm. We didn't know, we didn't know much. And now you have eight kids and you're all in, man. Well, eight kids, I, I have to, I have to say, uh, Vody was up in Alberta not too long ago and I told him that, that he's a big reason why we have eight kids because when we were first Christians, someone sent us some Vody stuff, some yeah. Vody Bakken stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that committed us to, to having, uh, let, letting God just, um, take control of our family and, Right. So now we have eight eight children. Right. And now uh let's kind of get into to, to the recent events. Um uh, let's kind of go um take us back a little bit before you got arrested, kind of the weeks leading up. Uh what was uh church like? Uh what was uh, the the pressure like, you know, what was leading up to your arrest? What was going on? Yeah. Well, he, well here in Alberta, you know, there was an uptick in cases, and so they're predicting, you know, a third wave, and it's going to lead to a lot of hospitalizations and other complications. And so the, the, the biggest 
alarm bell that's been going off is is trying to save the hospitals from being overwhelmed. And so restrictions came to try to prevent that. And so churches were affected where um, the maximum capacity for a church, regardless of how big your auditorium is, was 15 people mm. uh, for, for funerals. So one of those persons was dead. You know, the maximum is 10 people. If you're outside, the maximum outdoor gathering is five people. Mm. And so it was it was really heavy handed on the restrictions um, yeah. for the last number of weeks. And and as my own family, we have 10 people in our family, so we, we can't meet with anybody outside. In Alberta, no one can come into your home. That, that's not allowed. Wow. And so it was like the, the lockdowns have been really oppressive and restrictive and really intrusive into the home, intrusive into the church. Right. And so we continued to gather and to practice hospitality in our home and to uh, to live our lives normally as we can as a church uh, because Christ is worthy of his worship and we're going to come and we're going to gather. Amen. But what happened on, on May 6th is there was um, our, our Alberta Health Authority, uh, their lawyers went and uh, went to a judge and got an injunction because there have been restaurants that have been rebelling in our province as well. Right. And so they got an injunction against the restaurant, and also they tried to expand it to, to anyone who is acting in like effect to this restaurant <laughs> by continuing to defy public health measures. Right. So essentially, they, they got this injunction or restraining order against the province of Alberta, right. you know, four and a half million people, that anyone hosting a gathering in contravention to the health orders um, can be arrested. Right. And so we knew the heat had kind of turned up and so there i had i had written letters to my wife and my children um, mm-hmm. anticipating that arrest would be possible but as the weeks went by it, it didn't happen um on on may on may 9th the police were outside of our church so this was not this past sunday but sunday before the police were outside our church and they never came in and they never came out of their vehicles right and then i learned after the service that they actually pulled over a gentleman leaving our church who was visiting our church because they thought he was me and they served him a cop of this injunction <laughs> and uh so they, they got the wrong guy yeah and so when they were there this past sunday they in the police mind they thought they already had served this man the injunction and so they were coming now to to arrest me having given me warning of that, that yep. injunction yep but what had happened that week before you know i was we were preparing for for what might be an arrest yeah but yet on earlier that week um the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, it's a law firm here that is representing myself and James Coates and others. Right. They, they took our Alberta Health Authority to court to try to narrow that injunction to only apply to that restaurant right. um, that is named on there. And so James and I were talking, James Coates and I were talking on Friday, and we we're, were happy because now this meant that you know, we could we could breathe it a bit easier. And, and the, uh, judge, the judge ruled that that order only applies to the to – I think it was the coffee shop, right? That's right. Only to the Whistle Stop Cafe, and so yep. so we were we were kind of breathing a bit easier, thinking, okay, we, we have another Sunday yep. where we can gather together uh, yep. without being hauled off to jail. Yep. But when the police came after the service, um, you know, they actually gave, gave me a call on my phone first because I was loading my kids into the van and they were concerned about the kids, and so the this police sergeant called me and he said, we would like you to to ask your wife and your children to leave because you're going to be arrested today. Oh my goodness. And so I said, I said, no, they're not leaving. Like, if you're going to come to arrest me, then arrest me. But, but you, my wife and my kids are going to be here. And he kept trying to implore me. He says, no, sir, you, you have to send your wife and kids away. It's going to be traumatic to them. You have to send them away. And he goes, look, go talk to your wife and then I'll call you back in two minutes. Yeah. And so I went and I told my wife and I said, 
the police just called me uh, and they're going to arrest me today. And so she was kind of in shock, just processing yep. what that meant yep. and said, and said, of course, I'm not leaving. And of course, the kids aren't yep. leaving. So, yep. and, and so when the police officer called back, I said, they're not leaving. And if you're going to arrest me, you have to do it here. And so a bunch of police cars and vans all pulled into the church parking lot. Yeah, criminal. And, uh, and, and that there was a video online, but I had a chance to, you know, hug my family, say goodbye to my wife and, and, yeah. and talk to some of the men at church before they brought me ultimately to, to jail to the remand center, which is a maximum security facility. It's not a, not a good place. It's, it's wow. worse than, than a typical penitentiary or jail. And uh-huh. so I spent two nights and, and three days there. And, ma- and basically maximum, maximum security. Yeah. The same, the same kind of center that James Coates was in. Um, why didn't they just take so you into like a you know an overnight jail? Uh, why why did they take you to maximum security? Well, they they brought me to a police station. They kind of booked me in, give me a phone call, and I was in in a cell there. But uh, they they brought me over to the remand center, and I, I guess that that is the protocol because that this was supposed to be the action for being held in contempt of court. This this court order okay. to be brought to the remand center. Yep. So whether you're a pastor or whether you're a murderer, you're, you're brought to this place. Wow. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant at all. Wow. And so basically, um, they they as I understand it, and as you're telling the story, they they arrested you illegally. They they served the injunction to the wrong person, and then the injunction, even though they served it to the wrong person, still didn't apply to you regardless. And then they still arrested you. That's right. And so I I told that to the police officers. And he says, "Well, I have no, I have no knowledge of that. Uh, we'll take you in, and that'll get sorted out later." Wow. And I think that's, and even in my hearings that happened on Monday and Tuesday, it seems to be that that our government is using this as an opportunity to try to to crack down on on anyone who is is publicly standing against their health orders uh-huh. and questions about the legality or or whether they should be doing this or not. Are, are, will be pushed off and answered later. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, they're they're acting so unjustly to carry out these <sighs> these orders. So when you had your hearings on uh, Monday and Tuesday, did they just ignore the fact that you weren't served an injunction? And then secondly, that the injunction didn't apply to you regardless. They just ignore that. Yeah, it was it was so hard because on I had a chance to call my lawyer on on Sunday uh-huh. and just let him know where I was and what was happening. And I knew there would be a hearing upcoming. And, and so on Monday morning when they, they brought me and they, they shackled me to bring me to the courthouse. Wow. And so as I'm sitting there in shackles, I'm asking to use the phone to speak to my lawyer. But because of COVID, there's, the lawyer is not there in the courthouse. The judge is not there. And there's no capacity for me to use a phone to, to reach them. And so when they bring me into the courtroom, I'm sitting in the courtroom alone with the, with the courthouse clerk. Uh-huh. And, and the hearing begins. And I haven't even spoke to my lawyers yet. Wow. And so as they start discussing this, I haven't had an opportunity to to fully explain, you know, what happened the week yep. before and yep. um, about the injustice of this. Yep. And so all these decisions were being made. And it wasn't until I was actually brought back to the remand uh-huh. that I actually got a chance to use the phone and say, you know, look, like this is this is what's happened. And if, if any at that point, conditions were given on my release. And I said, I can't agree to those conditions that will prevent me from pastoring yep. my church. Yep. And and so it had gone and gone online that that I was being released on Monday, but uh-huh. I actually had to call my lawyers and put a hold on that because right. I didn't want any conditions upon me that would prevent me from from doing what I already been doing. Right. 
and I had to call my wife and, and explain that to her. Oof. And it, it was heartbreaking because at that point we thought our one hearing about release conditions was kind of one and done. Yep. And, and my trial date was set for June 16th. And so my wife and I were talking about not accepting these conditions. And that would mean that I'm in remand for a month. Right. And, uh, we were both, we were both, um, you know, committed to do that yep. for the sake of Christ and for his gathering of his church. Amen. Uh, but then thankfully there was another court date on Tuesday and I had a chance to speak to my lawyers before that. Yep. Um, in order to convey some of this information to the judge. Uh huh. And, and then so did the judge release you? Because of the injunction and the illegal arrest, why did the judge, on what grounds did the judge release you? Well, the judge was motivated to release me because he knows remand is not a good place. And my own lawyers didn't want me in remand either. Uh Um, But in order to talk about the legality of the actual arrest and the injunction, the judge didn't want to decide on it right then and there. And so that's not going to be decided until June 16th because the the uh, the lawyers for the province, the Alberta Health Authorities, and their lawyers, yep. they were saying that that regardless of this, uh, the change to the injunction, it still applied to me, and it still applied <laughs> to everybody. Yeah. And so they were being really disingenuous um, about what it, what is going on. Okay. And uh, it seemed like they were intent uh, because I think they've been embarrassed for months and months and months. Yep. Uh, by by churches gathering. Yep. That th- that they're out for blood. Yep. And so they didn't want to budge at all. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, I, I'm out, and I'm under the same. I'm in the same state that I was in last week. Yeah. And so that injunction, in the eyes of the law, still applies to me. Yep. And uh, so if I gather my church, they can arrest me again. Uh huh. Um, but there's no there's no extra conditions that I'm under. There's no agreement that I made to follow um, t- in order to be released. Yeah. So I'm, did I'm you in have the exact to sign? Same spot I was in last yeah. week. Yeah. So you didn't sign any papers that were no. going to be you know some sort of barrier to your conscience if you got released. That's right, and that's that's what I had to to hold on to. I I could sign nothing or agree to nothing that would prevent me from from honoring Christ and my commitments to pastor my church and to gather together to worship. Because if a local church doesn't gather, you're you're not a church. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah. so I have to do that. And the consequences is, is the same this week as it was last week. Okay. So w- all the cops that are involved in all this and are kind of basically just going along with. You know, basically, as I see it, a Marxist organization like AHS, um, did they express any remorse or any like, are they thinking for themselves in all this? You know, what what's going on? What was your experience with the cops? Yeah, my experience with the with the police officers and with the correction officers in the jail were. You know, the the bureaucrats at the top make the protocols, and the guys down on the ground just follow those protocols. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, the, for the most part, my experience. That them just doing their duty. Yeah. There there was a few exceptions to that, where there were a few guards and a few police officers. One police mm-hmm. officer, especially, who who seemed so heartbroken at what was happening, and he actually came into my cell uh, while I was being held at the police station before I went to remand. Yep. And and he said. He goes, what they're doing to you is terrible. It's unjust. He goes, I would never go to arrest you in your church. And and, and so he was very sympathetic. And mm-hmm. he actually dropped me off, uh, you know, put me in, in the van and, you know, it's basically a dog kennel in the back yep. and, and dropped me off at the at the prison. And when he left, he looked like he was completely gutted, completely heartbroken, like he might even cry uh, wow. leaving me there. Wow. Um, but that was that was the exception. Most of the guys there that I had a chance to talk to about my condition and what was going on, we're like, why can't you just do like every other church? Yep. Why can't you do a drive-in service? Yep. 
because most of the churches here are are complying and following the rules. And if and the government says no more than 15, well, they go online and say, well, why can't you do that? Right. And so people are having a hard time because of the lack of a Christian witness mm-hmm. and, and trying try to understand, you know, what they see as a few nut jobs like me and James Coates yeah, well, that are continue to meet. And what's funny is like the cop just – that just demonstrates that they aren't thinking people, uh, you know, because – you know, well, why are you arresting a pastor? <laughs> it's like, it's like, why can't you go to online church? Well, it's like the response is, well, why are you arresting a pastor? You know, no one's, no one's actually asking the critical, thoughtful questions and all this. You know, are we in a legitimate pandemic is another question that you can't ask. Uh, the cops are just, they're just going along with whatever they told. And that's why when they, when they're talking to you, they're asking you the question. You're on trial and they should, they should be the ones on trial and all this. That's right. And, and when they say it's for my, my safety and for the public good, you know, they brought me from my church, which has never had an outbreak. Yep. You know, I've never had COVID. Our church has never had it. We've never had any trans- transmission. We never added to any hospitalizations or anything like yep. that. And so they brought me from that, ripped me from my family, yeah. and then brought me to the remand center, which has an active outbreak of COVID, which has, you know, hundreds of cases of prisoners having COVID over these past number of months. And so it's just, it's just ludicrous that this was actually for anyone's safety. It's It's purely for... I think the government just being embarrassed that they're not being listened to mm-hmm. when they tell us that we can't do some, certain things. So uh, I traveled to Calgary. Oh man, it must have been 08, 09, 2010, something like that. I was there for uh, for my previous work. And one thing that kind of struck me about Cal- Calgary, I was like, well, this is kind of like a you know, I was there for uh oh, what do they call it? It's that big kind of cowboy festival. What do you call it? Stampede. Stampede. Yeah, yeah. So I was there yeah, for the stampede. stampede. And it reminded me a lot of Texas where I grew up. I was like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, the Texas of Canada. Um, but, you know, come to find out it, it, through this pandemic, you actually got a lot of um, people without backbones there and, and apparently a lot of churches that have no backbone. Um, since you've been out, uh, are, are you getting any encouragement from the local churches? Are you getting any rallying points uh, from other churches? Yeah, well, well, both myself and my wife, we have gotten huge support from Christians everywhere, from the from the states, from yeah. from Christians in in Mongolia, China, Iraq, yep. saying they're praying for the persecuted church in Canada. Yep. While for the most part, pastors in Canada are saying there's no persecution here. We just have a couple nutbar pastors who continue to meet. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of sad. So I am I am getting support even from guys who don't agree with me. Like Tim, we're praying for you. Yeah. But yet there's there's no movement. Um, in, in churches that would that would consider define the guidelines now mm-hmm. uh, than they would have a few weeks ago. Right. right. Um, it seems that that most people like we're, we're 14, 15 months in here. Most guys are kind of set on their course. They have they have leaded their congreg- led their congregation a certain way. Yeah. You know, they've either right. been heavy on Romans 13 yep. or other other areas, and so it's really hard now for them to to change course. Right. Um, they continue to. To offer and, and ask the government for for permission to open the mm. church, and I, I think I think that 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 boat has long since sailed. Yeah, uh, the government is not listening, and so we must we must obey Christ yep. rather than ask ask essentially Caesar for permission to yep. do what Christ has already commanded us. That's to right. Do. Um, what is your did your what is your theological journey been in all this? Did you start out in the, in the, at the beginning of this pandemic 
And even when you started to see, okay, this, this pandemic is not what our AHS is making it out to be. So when, whenever you, when, even when you came to those conclusions, what was your theological, do you, have you been on a theological journey or, or were you already at these convictions even before you got into this pandemic? Yeah, well, I think certainly when you think about separation of church and state or these kind of doctrines, you, you kind of know them in the, in the back of your mind, but they've never been practical. You never really had to pull them out and use them and, and flush them out. And so when this first started, we, like most churches, we complied because we thought people are going to be dropping dead everywhere. Right. And uh, But it was a few weeks in, into it we realized this this wasn't right, and I was you know pastoring or preaching. I, I made sure not to even call it preaching to our church, but I'm giving an address you know, through, through this camera and, and over, over the yeah. internet. Yeah. But it wasn't long before yep. you know, our people and, and also uh, myself, like we were, we were, our hearts were breaking because right. we, we are a church that, that practices the one another's that practice hospitality. We're in each other's homes a lot. So yep. to, to break all of that and then to call zoom church, you know, yep. we, we knew that wasn't church. Right. And so we, we began to talk about gathering together um, even before we were allowed to by by our governing authorities, right? And of course, you had to deal with Romans 13 and First Peter 2. So back last last May, I wrote an essay about looking at those passages, and uh, my convictions on those passages hasn't really changed since then. But but through this time, I think my my theological convictions have have sharpened yeah. and become um, you know more more deeply rooted in Amen. my life as I've gotten to know like. Uh, I, I was really profited by uh, Joseph Boot and his his book, The Mission of God. I read that yep. Yep. Uh, when this pandemic started, and that really helped solidify for me kind of the role of the church, the role of the state, the yep. supremacy of Christ over all things. And so I think th- the one doctrine that has really been such a beauty in all of this time is the lordship of Christ over Amen. everything. Yeah. Amen. And that has that has really been so great for myself personally, mm-hmm. for our church. Uh, we've learned so many psalms through this time, and, yeah. and scripture has seemed to come alive yeah. uh, as as we've experienced through this. Right. And so it has been such a blessing to me and to the church as as our theological convictions have really been refined and tested, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and Christ is, is worthy. He's Lord. He's Amen. King. And that has become so precious to us. Amen. You know, I remember, so when our, our church, I think, had a similar response with you um, back in March when our shutdown occurred, which was on March 20th, you know, we... Like you mentioned, we believe that God's given three governments, family government, church government, and civil government. Those are the three governments that God has given us. And then, of course, you have your individual responsibility, your individual government, if you call it that. Um, and so, and we believe that the government does have temporary authority in, in, in crisis, temporary authority in health crisis, temporary authority in war, temporary authority. So we had no problem, uh, you know, deferring to our local officials for a couple weeks uh and we did and we we did online church for three weeks and then we did church in our cars i believe for three weeks and then um, uh once we started seeing that this wasn't what everyone was making it out to be we decided to go back to in-person church um regardless of what our local authorities did uh and and so we did that the week we decided to go back to church they also um, opened up. <laughs> they also, um, uh, you know, allowed us to go back to church, but our decision was regardless of what they were going to decide. Um, and so, I, you know, I have, you know, in, in the same way the government has, you know, let's say temporary authority, uh, when there's a building on fire, 
right, I, I have no problem the government coming in and saying, hey, everyone get out, the building's on fire. Um, but one of the things you find out in that whole process is that we actually agree that the building's on fire. You know, um, we agree our city's on fire, whatever. Everyone, everyone can see it. Everyone agrees on it and then, and then gets out. But even then they have, they only have temporary authority in our church. You know, let's say our church building's on fire. They come in and say, hey, everyone get out. We all agree. Everyone gets out. Um, but they can't take our building from us, right? You know, it's like they can't, they don't have long-term authority even in those moments of, of, um, you know, in this case, a pandemic. And that's, and I think that's part of what the church has done. The church has been so, you know, God has blessed the Western church like crazy. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the money that the Western church has, the buildings that we have, you know, all the way down to the running water. You know, it's God's given the Western church so much. And, and what that has done is that's just made us a bunch of fat Christians, a bunch of fat and apathetic Christians. And so we didn't have to strengthen and, and sharpen our, our our theology of the Lordship of Christ. You, you know, the theology of the Lordship of Christ doesn't really mean anything until you have to apply it. <laughs> you know, obviously it means everything for the world, but when it, you start to learn what your theology really means when it starts to, uh, you know, rub against the, the walls of your, your house and outside in, in your car and in, in, in this world. And, and so the church has gotten really fat and lazy. And that's why I, we've, we've groomed a generation of, of pastors who are cowards. Um, and I don't think they would, they wouldn't think they're cowards. Or, or they wouldn't think they would even be going that direction. But then all of a sudden, you wake up in this world and, and all these, you know, um, seminaries that have been grooming these pastors for all these decades and now, now look at the church now. One of the things I've been so grateful for, um, in our shutdown here in the U.S. and in what's going on in Canada is, is God is really making it clear who the faithful pastors are, who the faithful churches are. Uh, and, and to, and, before, when everyone has their church building and no persecution or no no um, uh, challenging of the church's public stance and public theology, every church kind of looks the same. Every pastor can even say the same vocabulary, use the same evangelical vocabulary and so forth. But God has done us a great, I think, a great service this last year in showing who the faithful churches are up in Canada and who the faithful churches are here in the U.S., um, and unfortunately, they're very few and far between. Um, even here in the U.S., they're very few and far between. Um, so, you know, how are you looking at this in relationship to what's going on in in Alberta, and and then what's happening, you know, in the coming Sundays uh, here in in your town? Yeah, in terms of, in terms of here in Alberta. I know one of the developments that happened after I was arrested and taken away, and then when people left the church, the police came back after with the health authorities and uh, put a big closure notice on our church. So they've they've closed down our church building, mm. and so it's they haven't they haven't put the fence around our church like they did the James Coates Church, but but our church has been closed as well. And so did they um, change the locks? They, as far as I know, they haven't yet. There's been some people have reported that. I haven't gone to check it out myself yet. Um, so we'll see, we'll see if, if that happens or not, but mm-hmm. what, what we're going to do is, is uh, the church must continue to gather. And so there is a, it's, it's incredible to, to believe, but there is a growing underground church here in Canada and oh we almost gosh. have, you have your state church and you have your, your underground church. Wow. And so, um, we, we have churches like that in here in Alberta, we have some in Ontario and other places. Yep. And so we'll have to, to join those brothers and sisters 
um, in, in doing the same thing. So are you guys basically going underground? Yeah, it's hard because we I, I still am committed to the public witness of Christ and his church. Yep. But yet to know that uh, if we if we gather in any kind of public fashion this Sunday, uh, both myself and anybody else who might be, be organizing that uh, will be hauled off will be hauled off to jail. So it might be a, a one Sunday, you're you're one and done. And so mm-hmm. as I think about a pastor and think about more of a long term thing, obviously, you know, there's there's a court date coming up next month. Yep. Hopefully which will will overturn this this terrible, you know, tyrannical injunction upon our province yep. and uh, would allow us to have uh, more freedom to gather without threats of arrest every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard as a pastor to try to, you know, do we, we want to, to have a big public gathering one Sunday, have a big bang, and then, then we're all in prison or yep. do we want to, you know, how to, how to think about that long-term. Yep. And so it, it's been like a day by day, a Sunday by Sunday, trying to plan to do what is best, and ultimately, what our, what our prayer for as a church is that all those who want to find us and to come and to worship along with us would be able to do so. Yep. And then all those who are trying to find us because they seek our arrest or imprisonment, right. that they would be blinded and thwarted yeah. um, from knowing where we are. Yeah, amen. Now, one of the things um, I, I know you are – it's your calculation to make. You're local. You're the pastor. um there's uh, layers of decisions I can't see, but one of the things I've I've been thinking about in all this is, you know, one of the, uh, Christians are not very good at pursuing. We're, we we do a great job maybe um, causing a situation, exposing a matter, that kind of thing, like you kind of exposing, you know, getting arrested and kind of exposing the the tyranny that's going on in Calgary and so forth. But we but then we don't know how to pursue. Um, now it, it might be best for your church to go underground, um, but you know, one of the other uh, possible ways to go about this in another in a way of pursuing it is actually you know now having you know ten of your you know men arrested at your church you your elders and everyone just you know um, flood the jail cell with godly men uh, you know pursue it that way overwhelm them you know make all these co- officers just you know feel even that much worse uh, you know uh, I, you know I, I know that's a calculation you have to make but. Uh, have you kind of processed that side of things? Yeah, and that's uh, especially some of the younger guys in our church. That's that's their heart. That's what they want to do, and 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 what the expectation from that is when when you make such a, such a statement like that that you're wanting you know the heartstrings of those police officers to be pulled. You want the public to see how egregious these lockdown measures and then yeah. these these punitive measures are. Yeah. But what we've seen through the imprisonment of James Coates, uh, through the locking up of his church, yep. uh, through my own imprisonment, is that the, the wider Christian community in our province is 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 unfazed um, wow. by, by what is going on. You know, even, even to have me taken away from my my wife and my eight children, my wife with a baby strapped to her, you know, that that is it, it's not having the effect that that you would think it might have. Yeah. Uh, it seems like there is such there is such a coldness yep. uh, here. Um, the, the, the church is, is so sleepy, yep. and uh, and so whether, whether that statement would have an effect, I'm not I'm not sure what else what else needs to be done yeah. to in order to awaken people. Like mm-hmm. like James Coates was in jail for 35 days. Uh, his That's church incredible. has three layers of fence on it. You know, I was arrested. Uh, other pastors have been arrested in this right. province. So, right. how much more needs to happen before other churches say, "Hey, this is enough"? Right. You know, um, the the comfort we have in all this is God knows 
you know, sometimes you make, you take steps, you make moves, you know, Apostle Paul, you know, jumps over the wall to leave, you know, and, and, and God's blessing all those calculations. God's blessing all those, all those, uh, movements by Christians. And so we know that God's in heaven. He's, he's watching over all this and he's sovereign over it all. And he's using, he's using, um, faithful Christians to move, uh, culture. Now we don't, we might not see everything that that's going on because of because of how God operates and functions in, in spiritual warfare and so forth. Um, but we do have that comfort that Jesus is King. And when you go to jail for being faithful with your church and being a good shepherd, you know i I can't trust a a husband who's not going to protect his family. You know, the kids can't trust a dad who's not going to step in front of them, take a bullet from them. A church is not going to, you know, in the same way, the church is not going to trust a shepherd who's going to not put his life on the line for the church. To to be a shepherd means to protect the sheep. That's what it means. And and to be a shepherd means that you're putting your yourself in front of all the sheep, in front of in, in front of the, the the firing lines, and that's what it means to be a good shepherd. And and you know. We need to read the story. We need to be able to look at uh, what true leadership look like looks like, and know that this that the reality is that you're being a good shepherd. You're laying your life down for your sheep. You know you're protecting your sheep. You're making sure your sheep are ministered to. Uh, I have uh, I've been watching uh, other pastors in Canada who uh, one pastor in Canada said, "Hey, um, just because I haven't been arrested doesn't mean I'm not being a good pastor," and I'm like. Maybe. Okay. But like, why are you saying that on Facebook? First of all, you know, publicly, it's obviously you're, you're a little insecure about what, how you're, you know, pastoring your congregation right now. Um, come to find out he's following all the governmental orders of, of his church. And, you know, it's, it's, it's no wonder, you, you know, you're responding that way. You're, you're just submitting to the government. You're just obeying the government in Canada. Um, I believe he's in uh, British Columbia, and it's, it's just it's kind of silly that you got you know Pastor Coates, you and others have been arrested in Alberta, and then that's your response online. Hey, just so you know, I'm I, I'm just because I haven't been arrested doesn't mean I'm not being a good pastor in my church. And I, I I can't with full confidence say I don't I don't know if you are being a good pastor actually with what's going on in Canada. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, and what we've seen, like I know it's same, it's same as true for James Coast Church and, and our church. Like we we have really knit together as a community. Mm-hmm. The church, the church that is gathering, they know that I love them. Yeah, and I know that they love me. Yeah, and it, it's been so precious yep. through this time. And so every time we gather together, that is a special time um, of singing, of praise, of worship. Yeah. And so people who come in to our gathering and, and who witness that. They confess they've never been part of a church like this before, mm. and we have people who are just coming through temporarily. They're like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to Calgary so I can be part of this because yep. this is a family of faith yep. that, uh, that I've been longing to be part of." Yeah. And so it, it's that that at the end of the day, be, besides all of the the external public uh, things that is going on and all of the the politics that are involved, you know, that that committed family of faith that, that's so so precious. Yeah. Well, a. Pastor Tim, I really appreciate you, man. Uh, me and my wife are praying for you and your family, and of course, um, been been we followed it all over the weekend and everything that was going on. And 
you know, may God may God be glorified and may the truth be strengthened through all this. And, uh, you know, hopefully space is being created. When a pastor defends a sheep, he's creating space for his sheep to live uh, freely. And so uh, we need we need far more of this. We need obviously politicians speaking up and all this. Um, uh, but what the actions that you do, even if you can't see all the benefits from it, uh, and there are many. Uh, you know, God is working through you and what you're, what's going on in Canada. So, man, we're praying for you, and uh, we'll be back in touch. Hang on the line here before we get off here. Hey, everybody, thank you for joining the water break. We got a great Sunday special coming uh, to you on Sunday night. We're uh, we got Pastor Wilson coming in the studio to talk about marijuana. Believe it or not. Uh, it was a great show. Looking forward to, uh, hope you guys enjoyed on Sunday night. So make sure you tune in. Until next time, love God.